Hi, I'm Adam Malik, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Today, I'm bringing you my latest chat with Bill Hanvey. He's the president and CEO of Auto Care Association in the U.S., which represents the automotive aftermarket industry. We chat every year at Apex in Las Vegas, and I'm happy to bring you his insights from the last year and for what's ahead. As a special treat, we spoke the day before a significant movement took place on right to repair. The Repair Act was voted out of subcommittee following our conversation. That means it's farther ahead than it has ever been previously. So without further ado, here's Bill Hamby on right to repair and the state of the auto care industry. All right, Bill. Great to chat with you. Adam, great to see you as well, my friend. Another year, another Apex. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. And we have some good news. We do. About, uh, right to repair. We do. Tell me about it. Well, the inside baseball edition of, of what's going on. So we have been working diligently for several years now to introduce the Repair Act in Congress. We started out with four co-sponsors, two Republicans, two Democrats. Over the past year, we have now upped our co-sponsors to 46. And that would be 23 Republicans and 23 Democrats. So we're taking a very much of what we call a Noah's Ark approach to this to show that this is a bipartisan initiative, but this is a consumer initiative. And we've had tremendous success in building those co-sponsors or House of Representatives, Congress people that support the bill. Right now, it is within what we call the, the Energy and Commerce Committee. So the bill would emanate from the committee and then go to the floor. So where we are right now, we had our legislative summit in Washington, D.C. in the beginning of September. And as a result of that, we picked up some more sponsors of the bill. And as a result of the summit, we were invited to participate in a congressional hearing through the Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Innovation. One of our members, Kathleen Callahan, represented our industry tremendously well. She was a female shop owner from Florida and did such a good job that now we are going to what we call markup. And we just found out that news yesterday. And what markup means is that we're going to actually be voted upon to move the bill up to the full committee. And the vote occurs tomorrow at Thursday, November 2nd. At 10 a.m. East Coast time, what we need is 11 positive votes to get the bill marked up to the full committee, at which time there'll be, we'll review the language in the bill. If we pass the committee, then it gets introduced to the House for a full vote. So this is the most progress we've ever seen on the federal side. We're very confident. We're running into, obviously, significant lobbying efforts by the automakers who are telling the Congress people that A, it's not necessary, B, that they have concerns about cybersecurity, and they're really trying to confuse the legislators in a myriad of different ways. But we are hard at work here and at Washington to build support for the bill, so all fingers crossed for that coming up on Thursday. How exciting is it, though? Now we've gone right to a point, point yes. we've before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. we're thrilled about that. And what, last year, we didn't even have a, a bill number when we spoke last year. Mm -hmm. So just think about the progress that we've made in, in this year alone uh, to, to put it forward. So a lot of the mo momentum, uh, both here in the United States, Australia, Canada, the European Union, 
all have efforts taking place on right to repair. We, as global associations, are working together to ensure that our message is consistent. We're sharing best practices, and this is a global fight, and we are aligned globally in terms of our approach. Yeah, because in Quebec recently, as you may know, they passed a right to repair bill yes. there. So what kind of ripple effects do you hope that this progress would have in Canada, Europe, Australia? It, it, it has a tremendous amount of effect because when we go call on Congress people and tell them Australia passed, Canada passed, we get that question. Well, where do we fit in globally? And the fact that other nations have had success only helps our cause. All right, so shift away now to just talk about the, the industry we're at now. How has the last year been from your perspective for the aftermarket? It, it's been a tremendous year for the majority of the industry. The numbers are up, significant growth between 5 and 8% uh, coming off of two stellar years during the pandemic. I just sat in a media breakfast this morning with the retailers. They're all very confident for 2024 and supply chains are beginning to stabilize. Apex offers a tremendous amount of variation in terms of those supply chains. And we're really beginning to see that distributors and the retailers are looking to diversify their supply chain, which is why Apex is so important for the industry. We're kind of coming into that time where the, the peak, well, not the peak, but yeah, I guess where's the peak of auto new, new car sales from eight years ago, we're not flowing to the aftermarket. What kind of opportunities now are we uh, getting into now for the industry? Oh, tremendous. Our vehicle age is uh, increasingly getting older. We're at 12.1 years. I heard an interesting term yesterday called the Havana effect. And it is, you think about Cuba and the folks in Cuba have been keeping their cars for, for 60 years now and keeping them running. And the philosophy is that the adaptation to the EV is inevitable in some cases. It shouldn't be mandated, but we are finding that consumers are keeping their internal combustion engine vehicle much longer, and, and that's only going to increase the age of the vehicle uh, as we go forward, which obviously is a benefit to the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sweet spot is, is growing, right? It certainly is. Yeah. So the fastest growing portion of the vehicle population is now over 15 years old. Wow. How does that impact? parts needed for cars, because now you know, I'm about to think of like parts proliferation, right? It's yeah. already a problem. Exactly. But now you're going to have such a wide range of vehicle ages out there. Yes. How does the industry tackle something like that? Well, and I give our distributors and our retailers a tremendous amount of credit to that in terms of how they manage those inventories, because you can't have every part available to every car on the shelves within 30 minute delivery. But they've done a tremendous am amount of work in terms of creating new distribution models, wheel and spoke, and creating master warehouses and adding distribution centers to be able to accommodate the amount of inventory that's required to meet that 30-minute delivery deadline that the shop owners are used to. What needs to change as we head into 2024 to be successful? One word, and that's data. And data... That, that we as an association are providing to help the supplier and the distributor to better manage the inventories. Our point of sale data tool called Demand Index is, a, is an aggregation of point of sale information, both in dollars and in units. 
so that the supplier community and the distribution community can gauge how they're performing against the market and in terms of a replacement rate. So we're really trying to provide a tremendous amount of data to the industry itself to make sure that they can make better business decisions in terms of, okay, this part is becoming increasingly more failure prone. We have to inventory a little bit more heavily on this. So that, that's something that we've invested in heavily as an association to provide the data back out to the industry so that they can make better business decisions. So three weeks ago, Mima had their technology conference. Mm-hmm. AI was the word around there. Certainly. And in terms of their data ties into, into data, how can AI, from your perspective, help that, or can it help in this data? Oh, and, and I think the opportunities are, are endless in terms of predictability, replacement rate. So that's something that we're just beginning to scratch the surface on. And we, as an association, are really looking closely in terms of what tools can we help bring on the AI side, or at least information and education about AI. And people might be scared of it. They might be using it. But it's important for us to be able to communicate to our membership of how they can take advantage of AI safely Mm -hmm. and uh, utilize that tool to be able to better other business decisions. Our industry skews older and they're kind of having just in the traditional way. It's like the average age of our leadership is about 55 years old. Yeah. How do you convince an industry that is very traditional, set in its ways at that age to embrace this new technology, to embrace giving better data, using data better. How do you do that? Leg work. (laughs) Leg work. A lot of selling, a lot of, it's feature and benefit selling. So it's a matter of saying, look, you might be uh, unaware of this. You might be scared of this, but here's how this particular tool can benefit your business and putting dollars or productivity efficiency behind that that's an important role that we can perform to, to uh, have the adoption of these new tools in the aftermarket. And I'm going to give a lot of credit to our next generation of leadership. They're pushing this. They're savvy in terms of the tools that they bring to the table. And I honestly believe that the, the generation such as mine that's been in leadership for a while are really beginning to listen to the next generation of leadership. And I think that's an important element that we bring in terms of developing our Yang group, the Young Auto Care Networking Group, and they really have been instrumental in driving some of these changes, not only within their own companies, but as an industry as well. What are you looking forward to the most in the next, say, 12 months? Passing right to repair, period. I'm going to ask a question that was asked this morning at the media breakfast. Why would someone say no to right to repair? A congressperson? Yes, sorry. Because of automakers' influence, I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And Adam, the reason that we are here today and, and the reason that we have made progress on the bills thus far is because of the tremendous support from the industry. We don't have 200 lobbyists. We don't have multi-millions of dollars to spend on lawyers. But we have 4.7 million employees in the industry that we are activating on a consistent basis to let their Congress people know how important the passage of the Repair Act is. Before it was maybe a little more difficult, I guess, because they want to come, come on board. 
Now you put a lot of years into it. Now you're kind of, I think you're kind of seeing your return on investment. Yes. Are you seeing that same? Is that fair to say that you're seeing oh, that? Uh, without question. The difference this year is that we actually have a bill to hang our hat on. So people can rally around the fact that HR 906, the Repair Act, okay, now we have something tangible we're supporting. We've talked about right to repair and how important that is. But until you have something really tangible that you can wrap your hands around, people don't understand it. And people are rightly so. They're like, oh, the government, and they don't want to get involved necessarily. But now we, we have this community involvement. We have the industry engagement. And people are beginning to find that, hey, having a conversation with a congressperson is not that difficult. And, and people that do it, we had 300 people at our legislative summit in September, as I mentioned. Every one of those people left Washington, D.C. invigorated about the political process, about becoming engaged in the industry. And uh, I have never been more proud of our industry on that day. Awesome. All right. So last question I want to ask you is, if you give a piece of advice going forward or a piece of, piece of wisdom, uh, what would you tell the, the aftermarket, the auto care sector, the, what they're coming? Oh, be engaged. And I think that's whether you're engaged in women in auto care or Yang or some of our other communities, but people that are engaged, their careers are markedly different than those who just go in and do their job. You learn from other people, you network with other people, you expand your horizons. And you can't do it alone. And I think that's the big message is get engaged in the industry, be an active participant, and the results will follow. Sure. Bill, always great chatting with you. Oh, my gosh. Appreciate my, the time. My pleasure, my friend. And, uh, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Fantastic.